you are live. You are live. We are live. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the True Christian Podcast with myself, Michael Pagano, and our boy from South Africa, JD. What up, JD? What's up, brother Bear? Good to be back. Good to be back. How are you? Just just an amazing day. What is today? Today's Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Today's Wednesday. Thursday. Thursday, 4 a.m. for me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Your podcast is Tuesdays and Thursdays. It's so strange. It's so strange, but we make it happen. We are back, and I am excited as ever tonight, especially because we're going to be reading one of my favorite books in the Bible, Um, and and we're diving into 1 John. As always, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, uh, uh, you know, share, all that stuff, hit the notification bell. You know how it works. Also, if you want to support the ministry, make sure you check out our merchandise uh, links. I'm going to go ahead and emphasize that today. Uh, <laughs> merchandise links. Uh, or you can donate to the ministry because there's no shame in asking people to help because we are here to serve the kingdom and it's yeah. not free to do so. Um, as Paul says, that those who preach the gospel should be able to live off the gospel. Um, so Amen. no shame in that at all, no matter how much someone may want to shame us for those things. Uh, but what's yeah. up, JD? How How is Africa this wonderful morning for you? It's cold. It's it's cold. It's it's proper cold. So uh, it's winter. Proper, and, proper uh, cold. I, 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 can't sit, I can't sit with a T-shirt on as much as I enjoy sitting with T-shirts on. But anyway, God is good and uh, he's moving. He's moving. And we're seeing lots of people blessed. So uh, lots of people getting Bibles, lots of people coming to Jesus. So it's uh, we give him all the glory. We we give him all the glory. What's up, everybody, in the comments? I'm just going to drop this because I see Kenny in the comments. I'm just going to – a reminder as well. Get on the Discord server, guys. If you're not on the Discord server, please get on the Discord server. Um, our brother, Pastor Kenny, will be starting a line-by-line, precept-upon-precept study on the book of Hebrews from, on the 15th. On the 15th of July, 7 wow. p.m. Central uh, Central Time as well. So that's going to be good. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Lots of meat in the book of Hebrews. And, and something we should we should definitely cover at some point as well on here. But uh, so get on the Discord. Like and subscribe. For those of you who are not following, um, you know, on TikTok, you know, the handles are there. And uh, we've, you know, Mark's, Mark's put up a lot of good a lot of good content lately, especially answering those those questions, those age-old questions, you know. Why is God unfair? Why this? Why that? You know, the usual straw man. So definitely go check out the, the pages, like and share, and encourage those that, that, you know, I know a lot of people don't have the what's the word i'm looking for they they want to evangelize but they battle to find the words so this is also a tool this is also a tool downloading and saving these videos and sharing it with people in your community is also a way of evangelizing getting the word of god out there and 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 proclaiming jesus christ to everybody that lives and breathes that's that's our mission uh mike and i won't stray from this mission we won't stop proclaiming the goodness of jesus christ we won't stop proclaiming the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So we appreciate each and every single one of you coming here every twice a week. Um, to those who come here every single podcast, you really are appreciated. Daniel, uh, Mel, Proper Pickles, Justin, uh, you guys are also appreciated. And I know I don't say it enough, but um, I love you guys very much. And we appreciate 
um, all the support and all the love and all the encouragement uh, because it does it does help us you know stay focused on what we are here to do so praise jesus for that one john what a what a what an epistle one epistle and as always for the people watching on tiktok looks like we got about a hundred and six people over there uh you I, I have a feeling many of you aren't just coming in here by accident you tune in every monday and wednesday on tiktok and that's your choice to stay over there but as always just a reminder uh if you want to participate in the comment section we are live on youtube as well and you can participate in that especially if you have questions uh and you want to ask them during the bible study uh, also, you'll be able to see the Bible on screen and you'll be able to see JD's wonderful face uh, if you're over on YouTube. So it's just a better environment. Uh, uh, the chat's not toxic, although you don't even have the chat over here. But by all means, if you want to stay on TikTok, that's your choice. If you do want to join us, the link is in the bio. Uh, it's at True Christian on, um, on, on YouTube. I believe we have enough content on YouTube now that if you type in True Christian podcast, uh, it will come up. Um, so I see some people in the comments. Uh, somebody said, uh, you don't want our 116 degrees. I've just read a story today that the, the world is facing the highest average temperature, uh, in a long time, uh, across the board. It's like 68 degrees Fahrenheit, but that includes like Antarctica, right? So worldwide, um, and all the summer regions right now are suffering. So I know that you're a little chilly down there in South Africa, but just know that the summer regions are not enjoying this time at all. Uh, people are suffocating out here in the heat. Uh, so, oh man, let's 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 go let's go ahead and just dive into it tonight. Tonight we're gonna be talking about First John, and that's it. We're gonna <clears throat> we're gonna focus on that. Now I will say this though. I've got a bunch of content that I've actually I'm getting ready to put out on um, on TikTok too. So be paying attention out there. I've been saving a lot of questions and comments, videos. Heck, right before we went live, uh, when I first got on the call with JD, I had uh, a person make a video towards me. That's a Mormon deconstruction, deconstruction Mormon and a deconstruction Christian, which I believe that they're just mixing the two up. But uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, so I've got a lot of content that I want to pump out. I'm probably going to record uh, uh, several videos tonight and tomorrow and then just release them over the next couple of days. If y'all don't know this, this is how I do it. I record like five or six videos straight through. Bang, 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 right? Same shirt, same background. I don't care about all that. And then I just release them throughout the day. People always like, Mike, how do you how do you get out so much content a day? Well, I just do 20 minutes straight. Boom, record, boom, record, boom, record. I mean, little three-minute increments. 20 minutes a day and you got enough content for, you know, days. Uh, so yeah. it's not hard for those people that want to do content and you're like, how do you, you know, whatever, just, just pop stuff out real quick and, and, and put it out there. Um, but all right. So tonight we're diving into first John and just, I just want to give you guys a little bit of, uh, uh, introduction to the, to the book of first John. Um, so you can understand why we're doing it and, and what you should be really looking for to gain from this. First John is one of my favorite letters in the Bible. And I mean, I love all the scriptures. And and I've said it before that my favorite, if you want to call it that, favorite book of the Bible changes depending on the season that I'm in. And recently, First John was one of those ones I went to a lot because of how strong it is with building your uh, faith, as well as uh, destroying fear, uh, self-condemnation, and just giving you a confidence in your salvation. So First John was written so that you can have assurance in your faith. Assurance, meaning you are secure in your faith. You can feel confident in your faith. So this helps you battle with those doubts, helps you battle with those questions of, am I saved? Is the Holy Spirit in me? You know, uh, I, I, I deal with fear, right? Maybe you deal with fear, like, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to, what if I'm doing it wrong, right? 
First John addresses all of that. Now, another thing that makes First John so incredible is this is being written near the end of John's life. John is the last apostle to live. He lives all the way to up until the 90s um, when he writes Revelation. Um, this is right before then. And John was known as John the theologian. Like I know we always think about Paul being so wise and Paul was extremely wise. Don't get it twisted. But John was very wise. John was a an elder amongst elders um, and he was respected. So this is coming from someone who walked with Jesus and then also had a life of being a Christian, right? So, you know, with some letters like, James, for example, is written in the 40s, um, and obviously James is older, but he's not at the same point where John is at. Same thing with even Paul, right? John has made it to old age. John has uh, survived a very long time, and he is giving out his wisdom and knowledge, and First John Amen. is an incredible letter, an incredible Amen. letter. So we're going to dive I mean, into just, that. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to add. I just want to add to that also, just just, just background on on John, is, is what we see from from um the letters of paul and peter they speak from their their authority as apostles of christ where john doesn't ever speak on his authority as an apostle he he speaks from christ and and when when people when biblical scholars and those who who put together the you know when it came to putting together the manuscripts it was no doubt that first second and third john were written by john himself purely because of the way the language the light um, the way he refers to the light of the world, um, in the light, born of God, uh, certain phrases that that John used. And it's so beautiful how he always paints this picture of Jesus Christ as God in the flesh, um, where the other apostles tended to speak from their authority as apostles of Christ. He 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 casts nothing on himself. And and we see this from from the book of John as well, where where it's uh, you know where it says the apostle that Jesus loved, and this isn't to equate that Jesus loved any of his apostles more than the others. It's just that John had an understanding of Christ um, from when he started following Jesus, and he had lots of time while while exiled on the Isle of Patmos to chew on everything he'd learned from Jesus. And, and we see this, by the way, he pins down this letter. It's absolutely beautiful. And as, as Mike said, this answers a lot of questions for a lot of people, um, especially about the inward change that takes place because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. So interesting thing I just recently learned, my pastor kind of shared this with me. Um, but in the Greek, when John speaks saying, you know, the apostle or disciple in, of whom Jesus loved, the way that the Greek is actually structured, it's more of a keeps loving, right? So if you really look at the way that the Greek was presented, it's John pointing out the fact that no matter how much I fail, no matter how short I come up, he never stops loving me. So yeah. it's not like, oh, I'm the one that, that Jesus loves. Like you said, this isn't some ego thing where he's kind of like stunting on people like, oh, the disciple that Jesus loves. Yeah, yeah, Jesus loved. No, it's more like, and the disciple whom Jesus never gave up on, never stopped loving, kept yeah. on loving, right? And, yeah. and that that's really more of how the grammar is really laid out in the Greek to understand the context of it. And it just shows you the beautiful relationship that John had with Jesus. And we know that his relationship was incredible because, you know, Jesus trusted him to watch over his mother. He said, you know, John, this is your mother. This is your son. Um, because obviously we know Jesus's brothers denied him up until that point. They didn't believe in him until he ro rose from the grave. Um, so John was the one being given charge to take care of his mother. 
Um, so there's definitely a connection there that John had with Jesus. John spent some personal moments with Jesus. And we'll see that in the beginning of the letter. So we're going to dive into yeah. the letter. Um, let's go ahead and pray real quick before we dive in because we're diving into the word of God. So let's invite him to be with us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you've allowed us to have yet again another day um, when these days are not guaranteed, these days are not promised. Father, we ask you to be with us tonight. Be with us with your word and, and let your Holy Spirit guide us through your word so that truth is, is what prevails and not our opinions, not our egos, not our pride. Let your truth uh, be what you know comes out. Uh, let all men be liars. Let you be true. And Father, I, I pray that no matter what we ask for tonight, tomorrow, the next day, if it be the wrong thing, cast it away and replace it for what we actually need, Father. Let your will be done. Uh, we, we never know what to ask for. If we knew what we needed, we probably wouldn't be in the positions that we're always in. Um, so whatever it is that we ask for, disregard that. Instead, Father, let your will be done. Give us what we need, not what we want. And, and Father, give us the wisdom that we need. Give us the strength that we need, the courage that we need, and the boldness that we need. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. All right. Let's pull it up on screen. Let's see. First John. As Amen. always, we've got the KJV on the right. We have the ESV on the left for those that like to follow along in either, um, especially because uh, when JD reads, he likes to read uh, KJV. When I read, it's ESV. Also gives you guys a chance to see a little bit of the difference in the texts um, and how they also say the same thing too, right? You know, like there's differences in grammar and maybe the way that it's said, but they say the same things. And this allows Amen. you to see that. Um, and again, context, if you're new bro. here, yeah, context. If you're new here, guys, the bottom is the dictionary for Greek, uh, the Greek Greek lexicon, and the left side is a Bible study guide. I mean, a Bible word study. Uh, it's not going to change unless we begin to dive into the uh, Greek on anything, which we may. Believe me, we may. And uh, we also yeah. have it open up over here as well. So, okay, yeah. let's start it up with the intro of First John. That which First John chapter one. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Let me stop there. <laughs> Let me go ahead and just start my stopping. I want to point something out for you because, you know, we like to also give you guys apologetics while we're doing Bible study. You'll Amen. often get told that the Bible is mytholo uh, mytholo mythology. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Mythology. It's false. It's a fantasy. So whenever studying historical literature, you have to hold things to a certain standard. And some of those standards are, for example, the writing style. How do you know something is written for the purpose of myth? And how do you know that something's written for the purpose of something else? So what we have right here is called historical narrative. Myth would be once upon a time in a land far away, at a time unknown, in a place never seen. This man yeah. once existed. No, no, no. John is starting this off saying, this is what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've touched with our own hands, what we've seen with our own eyes. This is our uh, uh, um, uh, POV here, right? Point of view here. Yeah. This is what we have seen, experienced, and touched. He gives you no room to believe that this is not what John is trying to convey here. John's trying to convey, I'm not telling you about a story I heard from someone, right? Because that, that matters too, right? Because it's possible for someone to get lied to to believe something. 
JD could convince me that his aunt raised from the dead. And if I believe JD with all my heart, I might tell people, but I would say, JD told me his aunt rose from the dead. I believe that. But if I told you I saw it with my eyes, I touched her hands. Well, now I'm taking my my testimony to a higher level saying this is what I've experienced. Right. Mm. Um, and that's a whole different thing. John saw Jesus, the risen Christ, experienced him. Amen. 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 Um, amen. Again, concerned. it just also confirms, it confirms that final, that the authority when people say things like this, they don't realize that, that these apostles could not say this or wouldn't even dare say this if it wasn't from God. So they don't speak from a place, again, like I said earlier on, John is not speaking from a place of his own authority. He is speaking from the Holy Spirit. And, and this confirms what Paul says to us in 2 Timothy 3.16. That all scripture is breathed out by God. So we see this, that, that word again, Dionysos, that breathed out, inspired by, divinely inspired word of God. And, and this is just, again, confirmed with of the word of life. Amen. And this actually just remind me of something that uh, apologetics wise for your toolbox, guys. Like I said, I like to give you guys something to put in your toolbox. You might get this question. Why were the Gospels and these epistles all written 80, 60, 70 years later, right? You might get that question. What, what, why didn't they write them right, right away? Jesus dies most likely in 29 AD. That's when we believe he died. Um, born in 4 BC, dies 29 AD. Our first, you know, letters that we know of being written are in the 40s, 50s. And then, you know, like John is writing in 70s, 80s, 90s. Why? I want you to understand something. What did Jesus tell his apostles? He said, go forth and make disciples of every nation, preaching repentance and, and, and preaching the kingdom. And he sends them out. He tells them, go tell people this, not go write this down. They went right. out with a mission and many of them thought Jesus was returning in their time. So it's not like they were thinking of us. Let me just be very honest with you. None of them were thinking about you and I. None of them were. Jesus was, and he talks about us. He says, you know, blessed are those who don't see and believe. He talks about us coming later. But the apostles didn't think that. Paul even talks, talks about being up in the, in the clouds, right? They thought Jesus was coming back. So there was no writing down at first. But then as that life begins to get deeper, I, I need to write this down. The Holy Spirit puts it on them to write it down. So John is writing this in his older age, right? Also, the cost of the manuscript back then, like it's not something they just had to carry around, et cetera, et cetera. But when someone says, why wasn't it written right away? It's actually not a real, real good argument at all. If I gave you guys instructions that, hey, uh, today's the last time you're ever going to see me. I want you guys to go tell people X, Y, and Z. And some of you end up writing it down a year from now. Well, clearly, I didn't yeah. tell you to write it down. I told you to go tell people. Um, so, yeah, back to yeah. the back to first John. We're going to get Amen. through verse two now. <laughs> Turning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Notice Jesus himself is the life here. The way the, way, the truth and the life, which is from John's gospel, John is here calling Jesus to life. He calls him the word of life, the life that was made manifest. We have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. Excuse me. Oh, man. Sorry about that which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, 
our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Little note here for monet, 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 wait, what is it? Modalism. Modalists. Um, this idea that, you know, the apostles didn't believe in the Trinity. Well, Jesus had already resurrected and ascended to heaven. In the modalist view, he's back to being the Father, right? That's They're yeah. not separate anymore. John, 40, 50 years later, is still saying that we have fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what's John really emphasizing here? And I'm going to throw it at you here in a second, J.D., but we see that again, that message of Jesus being the light. Right. And we're going to see later as John talks about is God in you. Right. Well, if God is in you, then that means that light is in you. So John's already setting himself up for what he's going to discuss later, saying that if God is light and there's no darkness in him. And we say that we have fellowship with him. And John does this a few times in this in this uh, uh, chapter, in this book, right? He never once says like, um, you're not saved if you do X, Y, and Z, right? He doesn't do that. However, he asks questions for you to ask yourself. Yeah. If God is in you, why would you do this? If the love of God abides in you, why would you do this? He wants you to ask yourself these questions. And remember Amen. I told you, if you've had fear, if you had question about your salvation, this letter is a great letter to read. Start taking notes at the different things that John tells you to look for, right? Whatever those things he's telling you to look for, those are things you want to look for in your own life, right? He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Amen. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have felt with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. I'm going to let JD take over. I've been doing a lot of the uh, banging here. I mean, just 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 to get back, just on you know the, those last couple of verses. But it, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So again, when 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 we, because I know Mark is is he believes in eternal security. I believe in eternal security. And oftentimes when we're speaking about things like this, people think we're questioning or, or saying, yeah, you, you you're not saved. This is this is not what John is saying at all. Again, we, we we can always refer back to what Peter says and what Paul says as well. And and those that 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 purge themselves from certain things will be used by God in certain ways. Ultimately, what John is expounding on here is the light which is Christ. Those who walk in Christ seek to walk like Christ. And, and this is ultimately what, what we see throughout this, throughout this letter. And it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, in verse eight, he says, he, he goes on to say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar 
and his word is not in us. So it's, it's it, again, we look at the context. We have to look at the context of the fullness of what he's saying here. He is not, John is also not saying you literally need to go and confess your sin every single time. This is not, this is not what he's expounding on. He is saying that once off that we have confessed that we have sinned, then he is faithful. And he will purge, he will make us righteous. And again, this is the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is what John is saying. So those that walk around claiming that, and we, we see this predominantly from atheists who think that they are sinless, um, who think that their morality is somehow um, above and their subjective, their subjective truth and their subjective morality is somehow justified because they haven't murdered or graped. Um, and 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 this is this is ultimately this is this is the self deception John is talking about here. Anyone who says that they have no sin is a liar, and they make God a liar for saying that they have no sin. So it's uh, imperative that we that we dig into it that way. And, and somebody asked two. in the comment section about the word light in the Greek. Um, so just really quickly, I wanted to uh, emphasize this word here. Wait, let me go back there. So the word light being used is uh, foti, uh, which is the same as it says here, particularly particularly the light of the sun, but also heavenly body, bodies, especially James 1.17, as in, indispensable to life. It comes to be associated with life and as universal beneficiaries with God and the Messiah. So this is like the source of light, the, the what we're seeing here. Um, and, and we know that from John 1, when we discuss the gospel of John, and I explained to you that, you know, the way it describes life and light in him isn't like life in us. Like the life in us is a heartbeat, right? That's that's what we would think. Like, so if I said in him is life, you would think, well, yeah, in us is life. No, 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 no. When John explains that in him is life, it is the source of life, eternal life, a, a life that never ends. Um, so that's what is in Jesus. And as well, so is the light that is in Jesus. It is the source of light. Sort of like when we see that he is the bright uh, morning star, right? Uh, oops, I keep banging my microphone. Um, oh, is my uh, is my mic staticky? Let me know, guys, if my mic is staticky. Yeah, you're um, just clipping a bit. You're clipping a bit. What do you mean by clipping? It's like, like a popping. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's better. Just whisper. Just okay, guys. So we're gonna do an ASMR version of this video. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, if it's bad, let me know and I can hop out, hop back in real quick and 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 replug no, in my enough. mic. Maybe no, I was enough. just being loud. Maybe yeah. I need to talk more, talk regular instead of being so ec excessive. Um <laughs> when people say the mic is popping, I'm like, I'm always popping. I don't know what you want from me. Um, but yeah, so in him is the eternal life. It's the light that gives us source. And, and as I think this is an important spot that JD emphasized, and I just want to kind of go here too. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There are a lot of people, a lot of people that are on TikTok and YouTube that act like I don't sin anymore. And the thing is what they're focusing on is the major 10, right? I don't commit adultery. I don't uh, murder, I don't abuse people, I don't do X, Y, and Z. So they think they don't sin. It's mind-blowing at how many Christians today 
are convinced that they don't sin at all. And it's like, you, you, you're not understanding what the Bible makes very clear. And as it says here, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And they'll be like, well, that's before I came to Christ. Obviously, um, I was, I was a sinner then, but I don't sin anymore. No, no, because the very next verse, which isn't really next chapter, the very next verse says that when you sin, you have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus. Like this sinning doesn't stop. You're going to sin. Now, the gravity of your sins obviously can change. Your your habits, your 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 nature, these things will change in Christ Jesus. No one's sitting here saying that, oh, well, once you come to Christ, you know, you're still the exact same sinner that you were beforehand. No, no one's saying that. We're just making it clear that when you're in Christ, you don't stop sinning like completely. You're not perfect, no matter how much you want to be, because you're still going to have selfish thoughts. You're still going to have prideful moments. You're still going to have anger and hate. What are you doing, bud? What's up, big guy? (laughs) Boy, interrupted my podcast. He knows mommy's up there. He can go to her. Um. But yeah, so don't let people confuse you and convince you to to live in your own pride that you're somehow capable of not sinning and and being perfect. You're not. Like we try, we do. That's our goal. But at the same time, you're not perfect because if you were perfect, you wouldn't even need Jesus. That's the crazy thing. People get so prideful and they always act like it's them. They're like, oh, I haven't sinned today. I haven't. Uh, you know, done X, Y, and Z. I, 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 and it, it's it's sad and disappointing. Yeah. But all right, so this is chapter one, and this is just a brief. This is his intro, right? He's about to get super deep. Chapter one, he's basically just saying, like, well, this is what we have seen, what we have testified to. This is what we believe, and and we're all sinners, and he's faithful to uh, to to forgive us. Um, but then he dives into chapter two, and it starts getting a little bit deeper and a little bit more interesting. Uh, do you want to read that from uh, the? I'll go, I'll let you take over from the KJV. I'll be right back uh, while you read. No problem, bro. And I mean, this this is where it really gets in. And we see we see the we see John. We see John as a as an elder now. I mean, this is he's much 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 later in his life, and he goes, "My little children, these things, these things, write unto you that ye sin not." And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. I mean, just these three verses, there's there's so much to unpack on these three verses. But where he says that verse 2 is is, is my go-to again for 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 one saved always saved doctrine and and we see that the propitiation when we dig into that mark mark's got the control yet but when we dig into the propitiation the definition of becoming a propitiation for something that's past present and future this means jesus christ paid it forward john knows this and he expounds on this showing us that Jesus Christ became the propitiation for our sins. This is also confirmed in Paul's writings. And we see that Jesus Christ paid it forward. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago at Calvary, he already paid for the sins you were going to commit tomorrow. So again, when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ, the righteous, no one else but the righteous Christ Jesus. I mean, and then he goes on 
All right, my bad. Sleep. I had to go pray for my son real quick. He no wanted problem. me to pray in the bed. No problem, man. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, what what is Ooh. this? This this is this is one. This is one that really, really trips people up. This is one that really, really trips people up. And here we see, hereby do we know him if we keep his commandments. What is he talking about here? I mean, I know you've got a lot to say on this, Mike, but you, you have at it first. I'll, I'll, I'll tap in after you're done. All right. This is what you <laughs> should not do when you read scripture. I'm going to get big screen because this is what I see people do, especially here. I got let's. I'm going to do a skit. Y'all know me. I like to have fun, right? I'm the comedic uh, uh, joke false teacher. I went out to the mailbox. I'm like, oh, grandma sent me a letter. Grandma sent me a letter. And then I open it. And I'm like, page one? Nope. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. Page four? Nope. <laughs> Let me start at page three. <laughs> grandma says that she wants me to be good. Woo, yeah. Don't read scripture like that. That's not how letters are written. Stop it. Let me tell you something. I know that in today's society, we don't write letters anymore. So maybe this is the problem. You're used to short little tweets where people get all the information out. When people write letters, there's this thing that we do sometimes where we kind of like, we'll, we'll say something. And because we don't want to be interjecting another idea here, we'll explain it later or we'll define it later. Be patient. I promise you, John will tell you exactly what commandments he is saying right here. Okay, how did you do that? I'm a ninja. That was magical. That was cool. But um, I promise you, he's going to do so. He's going to do so. I promise you. So we're gonna, I'm not even gonna do it. I'm gonna when we get there, I'm gonna call back to this, but let's leave it alone. I did miss this part, so I just wanted to come in here though and point out that uh uh some things that JD probably covered, so it's gonna be redundant, so whatever. Um, but I'm gonna <laughs> read it in real English because he was reading in old English. I'm writing these things to you so you may not sin. People that do the whole I don't sin thing, they go here and they say, Well, look, see, John doesn't want you to sin. Well, yeah. Here's my question. When people say absurd things about what we believe, I always want to ask them, what's the opposite? What 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 do you want him to do? Did you want him to say, hey, y'all live it up? <laughs> we got grace. Go ahead and do your thing. No. Why did Jesus say be perfect like my father in heaven is perfect? Pause. What do you want him to say? You want Jesus to say, now that I have saved you, be a crazy lusting blasphemer. You're good. No, like, of course the standard stays the same. For example, my kids, I know my kids weaknesses. I don't lower my standards for them. I hold the same standards, even though I know their weaknesses. Why? Because you don't lower your expectation just because your child can't reach it. You keep that expectation high. So they're always trying to achieve it. My father in heaven knows I can never be perfect like him. Think about that. When someone asks me why Jesus said be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect, I want to ask them, are you perfect like God? Because that's what Jesus just said to you. Be perfect <laughs> like my father in heaven. Are you that? Because if you're saying you have to be that to be saved, we are all headed to hell in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a big old truck, just headed Amen. down. God doesn't lower his expectations for us just like a father wouldn't. I would never say, you know what, kid? I know you suck at math, so you know what? We don't need to learn multiplication. You're not going to need it. 
right? You got iPhones nowadays. No, I'm going to hold an expectation for them and I'm going to guide them and help them get to what I want them to be, or at least as close to it as possible. And just like a father isn't looking for you to meet the expectation, but rather put your full effort into it. That's what a father cares about. If you're not a parent, let me share with you right now. Let me share with you right now from a father. And I'm sure JD can agree with this. We don't care about where our kids end up on the success level. It's that they try, that they push their hardest. We don't want quitters and we don't want someone that gets there with ease and then is spoiled and doesn't appreciate, you know, the hard work that's, that's needed for something. I, I don't care if my kids reach my standard. I care that they try. I care that they never give up on themselves, that they push forward. Your heavenly father is the same. What is your why? What is the why of what you're doing? Not the what. Yeah. Um, Amen. And then Amen. it says, but if anyone does sin, because you will, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if anyone tells you that you can lose your salvation by sinning, right? Because there's different types of people. Some people will say, well, no, you can't lose. You know, there's there's a group of people that will argue against once saved, always saved. And I'm sure JD can agree with this, that will at least admit you can't sin your way out of it. They'll just say you can reject him. And that's a whole nother conversation. Let's shelf yeah. that one for a minute. For the yeah. people that believe you can sin your way out of salvation, when did Christ ask them this? Here's the question. Ask them this. When does Christ stop being my advocate? Yeah. Just ask them what sin, at what sin does Christ quit his job? At what sin does Jesus stop being my intercessor, uh, eternal intercessor, Hebrews 9? At what point does he stop being my advocate, First uh, John chapter 2? And when does God yeah. start counting my sins, Romans 4? Right? Multiple places where it says once you're in Christ, nobody, matter of fact, Romans 8, who can bring a charge before his elect? Multiple places in scripture say that once you belong to him, you're his. You, there's no one that can bring forth a charge against you. So if someone tries to say, well, no, you can sin your way out of salvation. Pause. At what point does Jesus stop being my advocate? Yeah. And why hasn't he stopped being yours? Because you're saying that you still have an advocate because you're a sinner. I know you sin every day. So he's still your advocate. Why did he stop being mine? Don't let people try and make you feel like uh, what people do is they put you in a corner and make you feel like you have to continuously add on top of what you've already stated. Sometimes you don't have to. What you've already stated was a fact. All you got to do is keep pushing back. Like, no, 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 no. We're not about to leave here. That's what they want you to do. They want you to go to more scriptures and more scriptures because they know eventually you are going to run out of things to say. Nah, we're not finna run from here. Let's stay right here. <laughs> when did he I mean, stop? Yeah, and, and and this is this is just you know you've you've said it. So let's touch on if you expound on 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 verse two, and we open up the propitiation. We open up that word propitiation, which in the Greek, which in the Greek is helasmos, helasmos. And this is again we see from from when we if you go if those of you who use the Strong's, you can go to two two, uh, two four three four helasmos, which is the definition of an atonement definition of an atonement christ became that blood atonement we see that Pro propitiation for our sins that was the atonement for our sins and 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 when we look at the the noun elaskomai is to propitiate expiate propitiation that is to appease god's anger to appease the anger that brings reconciliation with someone who has a reason to be angry with them so there we see that God has reason 
to justly punish the sinner. He has reason for it. But Christ became the propitiation, the atonement for that sin. I mean, and that's just something that that we look at that there. Mark's opened it up. I mean, you can you can read more about that, but it's just it's yeah, such so a beautiful. I'm gonna read what it says here on screen for them. Um, propitiation of an angry God, right? So the for an for a propitiation to exist, I think JD kind of hinted at this. There has to be a God who is angry. He's angry at sin. Amen. He's a just judge, right? So therefore, he has to be seeking out justice, right? A propitiation for a, a happy God would be nothing because there's nothing that you owe, owe him. If you were perfect and righteous, which is side note, when I, you know, the atheist conversation I had the other day who said, well, if I, if I'd ever did those sins, do I still need to believe in Christ's uh, sacrifice? Well, technically you wouldn't need his sacrifice. If you were righteous, if you were sinless, you would not need a propitiation. Like let's just call it what it is. But Let's read this real quick, just so you can see it on screen. Propitiation of an angry God, a sin offering by which the wrath of the deity shall be appeased, a means of propitiation, the covering of the ark, which was sprinkled with the atoning blood of the day of atonement. Here's an interesting Ooh. side note. We could do this later. You ever heard the rumor that the ark was buried under the cross and his blood uh, dripped down and, and covered it? Oh, I've always wondered if there's truth behind that. Just throwing it out there. But yeah, a, I think it's a Run Wyatt videos. The yeah, you know, they talk about that. Yeah. But the important thing here to realize is that the wrath of the deity shall be appeased. Now, pay attention. Appeased. This also. So let's talk about purgatory real quick. We're we're covering a lot of things. Purgatory is the idea that there's still some type of punishment required or purification required for you. However, the scriptures here say that his propitiation appeases that wrath. So therefore, from the moment I come to Christ, there's no more wrath on me. Yeah. Now, the scriptures say everything after that, he's my what? Advocate, my intercessor. No more wrath will come upon me because Amen. I'm out of the wrath. And now I'm covered by him. And I love that it points to um, uh, Romans 3.25 and, and, and Hebrews 9.5 as well. And when we look at this word propitiation, it shows Romans 3.25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance. And then if I go back to the actual way that the noun is written in, in 1 John, which is right here. Hold on. Do, 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 do. This, this one is only written twice in the Bible, and the other time is in 1 John chapter 4, when it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So while Amen. you were an enemy of God, while you were at odds with God, so like God didn't even save you once you loved him. This idea mm. like, ready for something crazy? Salvation is not dependent on you loving God first. Right, we, we yeah. sh you should know that. Like he loved yeah. you first. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to hop in there on that. Let's go back to where we we're I mean, at. You use the word. You use the word appease, and uh, you know, just to expound on that word appease, it's that that's fully satisfied. That means fully satisfied. So God's wrath was fully satisfied on Jesus Christ on the cross. And when it says, I mean, when we go to Second Corinthians five, and it says, "Him who knew no sin became sin for us," we we see this. We see this, that the full wrath of God was poured out in Jesus Christ on the cross. Every last drop of blood was spilt. And this is why there can be no other atonement. 
as we see the author of Hebrews says, there remains no other sacrifice for sin but the finished work of Jesus Christ. Beautiful. Oops. Okay. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's go back and read it now. So he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, we should stop there because I know that there's some universalists that are going to try and say, well, look, see, he's the sins for the whole, he's the propitiation for the whole world. Yes, this is true, but you have to understand how you're wording it. He is the propitiation for the whole world. Yes. What's, let's define it again. The sacrifice to appease the wrath of God. So anyone in the world can claim it, right? Um, let me, you know, I'm the, I love analogies. Let me think if I can think of an analogy. The COVID cure, right? Well, there's no cure. The COVID yeah. vaccine was a vaccine for the whole world. Many of us said, nah, we're good on that though, right? It was still a vaccine for the whole world. It is the vaccine for the whole world, but we rejected. Some Many of us said, yeah, I'm okay on that. I, I, I don't trust it. Yes. Just because you rejected it doesn't mean it's no longer the vaccine for the whole world, right? It still is an offering for the world. Hey, you can get this. It'll take care of you. Yeah. But you have to take it. You have to receive it. You have to, uh, 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 I don't know what else word I could say there, but receive it. Uh, uh, it's a gift, but if I sat a gift down on your table and you said, no, nah, I'm not unwrapping that. I don't want a gift from you. Well, the gift sits there unused, uh, but okay. Amen. And it says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments. All right, pause here for a second. Here's number one that John talks about how, you know, you're saved and please let us finish this letter before you go saying, Ooh, look, works based because what this sounds like is if you're Keeping the commandments, you're saved. Mm, that's not what John is saying. John is saying, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And again, he's going to define these commandments. And when you see the commandments, I promise you, you're going to understand why I said how important it is that we actually let him define the commandments. Because you'll have people that are tour observers that will quote Revelation and First John about how Christians keep his commands, not realizing John defines it and you can look them in the eyes and say so what did what does john mean by that because the problem is and i told you all this in my baptism video throw your presuppositions out the window when you open up the bible At, tell yourself i don't know what any of these words mean i'm going to let the author define it because if i see the word commandments i might from my experiences think of the 10 commandments you might think of the levitical commandments jd might think Jesus's commandments. Someone else might think of, well, just mosaic stuff and what, right? So your presupposition can tell you what these commandments are, but yet what if the author is going to define them on his own? And this is why I tell you guys all the time how important it is to read the entire book before you go quoting or building doctrine on something. Like if you've never read the entire book of Romans, you shouldn't be building your doctrine on Romans 8 or Romans 7. Like you should understand what Paul is teaching in that letter so that you can understand what's being said. So we are going to get to this. Oops, sorry. I know that probably hurt people's heads with headphones on. And then he says, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And, and here's what I want you guys to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, JD. I'll let you, I'll let you in in a second. Carry on. Carry on. 
I made my video the other day talking about how incredible it is to know God. And I talked about the word no in the Bible is a deep, intimate connection. That's why it's no, that's why it says that a man knows his wife, right? Because when it comes to marriage, it's a deep, romantic, intimate, sexual connection. It's not like today where people talk about sex in a coarse and disgusting way, but biblically it talks about it in an intimate connection. Likewise, to know God is a deep, intimate connection with him, a deep inter uh, intentional relationship with him, right? So it says, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. Pay attention. It's not the keeping the commandments that saves you, but it's the knowing him. Because if you know him, you have faith in him. You've confessed that Jesus is your Lord. He died on the cross. Rose, you know him, right? And what does Jesus say in Matthew seven? Depart from me for I, I never knew you. If you go back to verse three, it says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. So the know him is the focus, not to keep the commandments. The keep the commandments is for you to check your own faith. What does Paul tell us, JD? To make sure you are not believing in vain, make sure you are of the faith. Well, how do we do these things? Is it just saying, am I sure I believe? Yes, I'm sure I believe. No, it's, it's not doing that. It's reflecting on self to see if the Holy Spirit is walking in you and working in you, because if he is, then that means I know him. I'm not saved because of that, but it tells me, oh, I know him and he knows me. So I want Amen. you to keep that in the back of your head for when we get to the part where John defines the commandments, I'll let you take back over. I mean, in this, and this is where it gets, this is where it gets really, and again, I love what Kenny said there. Uh, you know, I just want to quickly go over this. Uh, it's a beautiful comment and, and, and so true. Um, let me just quickly show this one. The debt of sin is paid for the whole world by the blood of Jesus, but the, but the blood is only applied to those who put their trust in Christ. In Exodus 12, those who applied the blood were safe. So again, um, uh, beautiful absolutely spot on and that's what we see you know so what i just thought about living. i'm Come sorry in. you know what kenny just made me think about uh, uh he just made me think about some imagery ready for this we just read the definition of the propitiation and it points back to the ark was dr drizzled in blood well we are the new ark of the covenant the holy spirit resides in us and when christ's blood is on us the ark the new ark of the covenant that's when the forgiveness takes place like kenny said by accepting yeah. him, becoming the ark, Amen. and then having the blood on us. Yeah. Just just Amen. some imagery that Kenny made me think of. Just throwing it out there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Keep going. And, 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 and that's spot on. And and again, we this is it's, it's not it's not preaching works. It's not it's 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 literally again, it's a knowing of Christ. I mean, and we see this. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. I mean, we see this one John. I mean, two, six walk as Jesus walked. I mean, this is, this is one where we, can we physically walk as Jesus walked? Can we do the things Jesus did? No, we cannot. Uh, I mean, and we see what does Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ or follow me as I follow Christ. Again, Paul didn't follow Christ. The apostle Paul didn't perfectly follow Christ. We see this from his letter to the Romans in, in chapter seven. He said he, he constantly battled with sin. And, you know, we see it from 2 Corinthians 12 that, you know, he had a thorn in his flesh and, and, and he needed to lean on the grace of God. Again, just John is talking about a knowing, a knowing. Brethren, I write no new commandment. There we go. I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which he had from the beginning. 
The old commandment is the world which we have heard from, and then Mark's disappeared. So we can't read any further. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I keep checking on something. Um, there we go. Which we have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And I mean, and that's that's just the perfect place to stop because we see this, especially on TikTok, Christians going at each other's throats over mainly semantics. Um, and, and other times we see it, you know, as we've seen most, most recently, it's, it's just a personal attack. It's got nothing to do with, with doctrine. It's got nothing to do with belief. It's got nothing to do with soteriology. It's got very little to do with, with anything other than it's, I don't like you. And, and because I don't like you, I'm going to shame you. I'm going to badmouth you and I'm going to, I'm going to slander you. And, and ultimately this is, this is a, this is a reminder that he that says he walks in the light of Christ and has hate towards a brother is in darkness even until now. And um, I mean, the ESV says it's so plain. Whosoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. It's, that's, so, it's, it's Yeah, notice what – I love what John said there. It's not that you're not saved because of this. It's saying that you're not there yet. Like you think you are, but you're not. And I want to keep emphasizing John never sits there saying you're not saved if you don't do X, Y, and Z. He says it in ways that's like, bro, if you were saved – remember, John's older. He's been walking with – John knows what he's talking about. He knows the Holy Spirit probably better than all of us know the Holy Spirit. He knows Jesus. He knows him very well. And he's telling you, I love what he says in verse in chapter three. So I'm going to kind of wait for that to really expound on this. But he's telling you, like, you should be paying attention. Like, is this darkness in you? Now, if you're listening to this and you're saying, well, Mike, I still battle with porn. I still battle with anger. Let me help you understand a way that you can look at this. Because John's not saying you're going to be perfect. Remember what first John chapter two, verse one says, if you sin, you have an advocate. He is talking about people that reside in the darkness, right? So imagine there being two paths, a path of light and a path of darkness. On the path of darkness, you can slip up on the edge and see the light. On a path of light, you can get to the edge and see darkness. It's okay to be on the path of light and get close to darkness because the light will always win. But if you're in the darkness and you just slip up on light, you're in darkness still. So yes, will you have darkness in your life that appears, but the light will always over uh, overcome. The light will always win. So I'm not telling you, watch out and see if you sin, because if you sin, you're not saved. There's people that say that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, matter of fact, I'll tell you the greatest way that I can tell you when it comes to really watching for the fruits in your life. Don't look for the sins in your life. Look for how you respond to your sin. Look for how you respond to your failures. I'm going to make mistakes. Am I am I capable of being corrected by my brother? If JD hits me up like, Mike, you were out of bounds with what you did, and, and I just want to let you know that I really don't think you should have did that. That wasn't Christ-like. Do I go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, JD. This podcast is over. I'm done with you. What do I say, bro? Thank you. You're right, man. That was stupid yeah, of me. Exactly. Um, yeah. When your friend tells you that you – if you slip up in some, in some porn, right, are you – disgusted at yourself, angry. Are you like, okay, I need to work on this. I need to get better. Remember, I told y'all this last, last podcast, your job is to be better than who you were yesterday. That's it. 
Focus on being better than who you were yesterday. And that's the light in you because if the light yeah. is in you, it's going to constantly be trying to overcome. When, jo when John talks about the people in the darkness, he's talking about sitting in darkness. Yeah. Anger, hate, driving them. They yeah. like, and it goes hand in hand with two Timothy, right? JD, those with a form of godliness. Like they you say the you're saved, but you're just like, man, no, there's darkness everywhere around you. Yeah. So yeah. keep that in mind at what John is really emphasizing. Again, Amen. you can call this all whatever you want. Fruit inspection works. No, we're two brothers in Christ who love God and we don't want you to have vain faith. We're That's yeah. what we're doing. We're we're sitting More here. Saying, it's, it's, it's like it's, there's the two S's, and this is this is often where we get we get you get called. Oh, now you're preaching works. No, we've got salvation, which is secure on the moment you believe, and then you've got sanctification, which takes place from the moment you started believing until the day you go into the grave. And every single day, you you grow unless you reject the conviction. And and this is what people. This is what John is putting emphasis on. Here's here's instructions. If you still have hate towards a brother, a fellow brother in Christ, you have not yet received the fullness of the light. You haven't seen what Jesus was coming to show you. You haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And this is this is this is what he's saying. This entire epistle is is a is a it's a blanket statement for various Christians. I mean, and we see that who he's writing it to, this is written to. All the churches scattered across Asia Minor. So John isn't writing to a specific audience or a small audience or one or two church. He's writing to the body of Christ. He's writing to every single Christian out there. And, and we see this also by the date of the letter that this, this came after the persecutions in 70 AD. This came after all of this. So he's talking about furthering the faith. And, and, and I think and again, at this point he's already been boiled. So yeah. John was boiled in oil like he was. And remember, also, he's the last living apostle at this point. So like this is the last person who walked with Jesus sharing these words. He's giving guidance and he wants. Look, here's the thing that cracks me up. People will be like, yo, we're not don't don't inspect fruit and make us and make people question their salvation. Why would you rather walk into judgment in front of God cocky? Like, no, I know I'm saved. I ain't worried about nothing. Like, like almost like you're going to challenge God if he was to tell you, depart from me. Like, yo, God, what do you mean depart from me, bro? I knew you. Wouldn't you rather, like Paul says, work out your salvation. Make sure you are of the faith. I'm not saying this as if this is above me and JD. Me and JD have to do this all the time. We are constantly yeah. checking our own faith. We lean on each other in private conversations. We 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 rebuke and exhort each other in love. Um, and and it's it's part of the Christian walk to want yeah. to be better and to make sure, like, all right, man, I, I I'm I'm walking in the light, right? I gotta keep my my eyes on the light, right? And that's a part of it. No one's looking down on you saying, Me and JD are secured in our salvation, and we've already checked, we're good, our faith's locked in, but this is how you guys need to be like us. No, this conversation is we all need to be doing this, making sure yeah. that the light is evident in us. Yeah. I mean, and this is and this just goes to show with with John's John's letter. Yeah. You know, some people walk around like they're going to walk into heaven and give Jesus a crisp high five and say, yo, what you got for me? Regardless of, of whether you're saved or unsaved, when we come into the presence of the living God, we will fall flat on our faces in absolute awe of who he is there is nothing like that in this life that we have experienced like when we come into the throne room of god 
And ultimately for those. Savvy, bro, there are some Christians that the way they speak about it, when you try and give correction and guidance, is as if they are so secure that they can just walk up to God and they straight up going to be like, no, I'm coming in. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I've got my pass and I'm coming in. Like, yes, we have confidence in our salvation, but there's still a heavy, a heavy reverence and fear of the Lord in aspect of reverence. And we'll get into the fear of the Lord here in a little bit where yeah. nobody should be in a cocky way. Cause then it acts like you, you think you've earned something or you think you've done something better than anybody. It's about humility. I don't deserve to be saved. Uh, like yeah. I, I digress. I digress. Verse 10. I mean, we got to get, <laughs> go yeah, ahead, go ahead. Let's go. I mean, and he says, yeah, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth. Because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. And that's that's so true. We see this again and again. And this epistle can be taken as it is written. And, and again, for those that are reading the ESV, it says it in plain English. I mean, and I'm just going to go over it in the ESV quickly. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Notice, not will be, are forgiven. So there we see that propitiation again. Our sins are forgiven. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I mean, just I love this part of John. It actually That's... breaks apart into like, uh, remember I tell you sometimes, uh, we talked about the last episode, where it's like kind of like a creed. This is where John does this. He's going to repeat it again as well. It's, it's This letter is full of some beautiful, like poetic type of like just beautiful statements. While yeah. also, he's got some strong, uh, <laughs> John gets pretty rough in this letter too, but I want you to read that again, but this time with the double. I mean, it's, it's, it's just it's just so good. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. And in the KJV, I write to you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. Again, we see the the, the triune God of scripture, which is, again, the modalistic view is John. John is probably <laughs> the one who debunks modalism the most. I mean, from one John, we see that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. We, we see that. Amen. I've written unto you fathers because ye have known him. That is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. And the ESV says the evil one. So notice, either way. Notice after if, doing the whole, if you hate your brothers, you don't abide in him. He stops and says, you guys are better than this, basically. So what does that tell you? He's not talking to unbelievers about being saved. He's talking to people who are saved, saying you should not be falling back into this because you have overcome it. You should not be in the darkness because he has saved you because you're stronger than that. He's not, again, I try and tell, this is one I want to repeat over and over again. The Bible is not every word about salvation because the Bible is not just every word about salvation. The Bible is our guide to faith and our cloud of witnesses. There are Amen. parts of it that are just written to people who are already saved. 
And this is clearly what he's saying right here. Like, look, I'm telling you that you, if you hate your brother, the darkness is in you, but you, you're not that you are in the light. Like he's pulling you back saying, I know you guys are in the light, but there are people out there that apply to that though. There are people that are, are that, that he's obviously addressing that are in, in, in applicable shall we say, to the hating of the brothers and whatnot. But this is where I always go back to Hebrews 4.12. And just a reminder to you guys, everything Mike said, I agree with, but I want to add on to it, that it's a double-edged sword. So he's, he's if, if a non-believer is reading this book, if the non-believer opens up a Bible for the first time and they end up at the first epistle of John, guess what it's going to do? It's going to cut through the dividing sunder. It's going to bring conviction. It's going to bring, it's going to confront them in their sin. And this is ultimately why the word of God is a double-edged sword. For the non-believer, it points out what they still are. For the believer, it points out what we shouldn't fall back onto. So just Amen. like we see, both sides. Both sides of the coin. Amen. It's a mirror that you can see who you were and who you are. Um, Amen. Amen. Yeah. That, that. And then ready. So he's about to go a little bit deeper again. Like I said, first John, the first chapter was, uh, was him softballing it. Now he's about to go in here. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. Now I want to stop because I get this question a lot. Okay, Mike, what yeah. is love of the world? Right? Because I love, you know, my house and I love, uh, you know, uh, my vacations and I love, uh, you know, my friends and this, this, and that. So this isn't talking about what you call love when you're sitting there saying, I love that and I love this. The love of the world here is when the world has become your priority, your, your highest point, your idol. And what I mean by that is you choose the world over God. It is your everything. First thing you do is you wake up, you think of the things of the world. You're thinking of the money. And this only have to be sinful things idolatry doesn't just require, uh, uh, I mean, idolatry doesn't require it to be a false God. You can, I can turn Gatorade into an idol. If I wake up and I think about Gatorade nonstop and I go to sleep and I think about Gatorade and every day I'm like, I need Gatorade. I need Gatorade. Gatorade is the greatest. Then I wear Gatorade and I'm, I love Gatorade. It's become my idol, my everything, my pride, my joy, my hope, my passion. Your truck, like no matter what, God should be your number one. Love is vertical. You can love everything in the world if you love it less than God. Yeah. But if you love anything equal to God, the world, then you can't, because what does he say? You can't serve two masters. So if yeah. God's not on top, then he's on the bottom. There's no equal when it comes to that. So love of the world is when you put things of the world in the priority position that God belongs. Yeah. Anything you want to add on that? I mean, it, it, it just again, uh, Pastor Kenny is dropping bombs tonight. I mean, it, it's just that to fall short of the glory of God means nothing to the unbeliever. Um, but to the believer, God's love abides in us and we love him. Therefore, we want to please him. And and, and I absolutely agree with that. This is this is where we are at, you know, as as Christians. You, the moment you, and Mike has said that, the moment we start idolizing things above God, like, and, 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 Steve, uh, what's not, not Steve, uh, Pastor Charles Lawson once said that, that the acid test is when you wake up, what is the first thing you do? When you go to bed, what is the last thing you do? And, and this is, this is the acid test of, of, of how, how you are in your walk with God. 
how is the Holy Spirit guiding you? Because if the first thing you do in the morning is, is to be concerned about how to get about your day rather than thanking God for waking you up for this day, um, then, then you've got to, you've got to check yourself. You've got to check yourself. And again, we see this, um, yeah. we've just gone through second Timothy for those of you that haven't watched the podcast, go back and watch it. But what does he say? Let anyone who nameth the name of Christ flee iniquity. The, this is exactly what John is putting emphasis on this. We cannot love the things of the world and, and claim that we are lovers of God because so lovers I'll, of God go don't act that way. Go Amen. ahead, bro. So I want to read all three of these verses together, and I want to point you to something I've said once before and see if you can see the correlation to what I was trying to tell y'all. Remember when I said, uh, what are you aiming for? Are you aiming for your eternity today or later? Are you holding on to the things of the world, things you won't do in heaven? Right? That why? Why are you doing it? And this is what John is basically saying. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all things, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what is he saying? If you have your eyes set on these things that are temporary and not on the thing that is eternal that you want to spend your eternity with, then you have a love of the world. And then if you also are putting those things above God, that means you're doing it for selfish reasons, right? When you have these things of the world under God, what does that mean you're going to do with the things of the world? You're going to use them to serve God. So again, this isn't saying you can't love your job. The question is, why do you love your job? Do you love your job because it gives you the ability to serve as Jesus would want you to and to honor Jesus in everything that you do and to be a light in this world? Well, then you're lo you're not loving the world. You're loving your role as a Christian in the world. You're loving what God has given you in the world. Do you love your car? Why do you love your car? Because you're able to use it to benefit the kingdom by giving friends rides and helping people out. Or do you love your car because I just love my car, right? You can love things of the world in a sense, but it should be God first. And whatever you love in the world, it's because of God giving it to you and how you can use it to serve God and honor God. That is, And that's what John is saying here, because if you love the things of this world, why? Do yeah. you believe in eternity? So are you really saying you're cool with just like you're just trying to grab onto something for the last 10 minutes? Like if in the in the uh, in the essence of eternity, our life is like a minute, like a minute of your existence. Are you really telling me that you love the world so much that you would choose that you want to hold on to that minute? Right. So I don't know. I'm trying to use a comparison there. Um, but. And the world is passing away along with the desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children. It is the last hour. Now it has been the last hour for a while. So I'm throwing it out there. Um, and 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 as many, oh, I'm sorry. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's important if JD, if you point point this out while I go run to the bathroom, because I need to use I gotta pee. <laughs> but um, people get confused antichrist versus antichrist spirit. I don't know if you want to hash that out for a minute um, and yeah. give me a second. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, yeah. So we see this here. Little children in the last time. It is the last time, as you have heard, that the Antichrist shall come. Even now, there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. 
for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. So here in, in the ESV, it says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. So again, again, we see this, that the spirit of the Antichrist is, is in everything we are seeing today. The, the political agenda, um, uh, LGTV, the... Uh, BLB, you know, all of these, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not using them correctly. <laughs> I'm not in a, yeah, pronouncing them correctly for obvious reasons, because, you know, we don't want to get these videos removed, but ultimately we see that, that the spirit of the Antichrist, and, and again, we always go to, we can look through history. I mean, um, and, and my brother Cam also does, you know, like I say, when we go through history, every 80 years or so, we see these things repeat. Even the Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. Everything that has been will be again. Um, and we see that the Antichrist spirit is the one who denies Christ completely. Everything that is Christ Jesus, everything that is about Christ Jesus, the Antichrist spirit will deny. This is not the physical person. This common sense Antichrist. Antichrist. <laughs> exactly. And we see this, we see this all over TikTok. People that are antichrist. They will they will not just deny Jesus, but they will speak out against Jesus. Their hatred for Jesus is evident. Um, we, we see this with, with majority of atheists and Satanists that 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 will speak out against Jesus Christ in such a condescending way if Jesus was blah 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 if Jesus did blah 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 but they don't do this against Hinduism they don't do it against Islam they don't do it against uh, against Buddhism because those things don't convict them those religions do not press on them the enemies not sending people to him to things that don't affect his enemy 100 100 and I mean, and, and that's it's, it's so clear that the spirit of the Antichrist has been evident since. And we see even since then, this is written in 90 AD approximately. And we see that it was and it's important. Then. It's important to note that he's not talking about the Antichrist. He said the Antichrist is coming. So now Antichrists have come because some people, when you quote, they went out from us, but they were not of us. When we quote that as, as a case for the fact that a true believer doesn't leave, they say, well, no, John's just talking about the Antichrists. Anyone that is Antichrist is of the Antichrist, right? It's like the children of Satan and the children of God, which John's going to get to here in the next chapter, right? If you're a child of God, you have the Antichrist spirit because you're Antichrist. There's a difference between the Antichrist spirit, the Antichrists, as John says, and the one known as the Antichrist, which has other names as well, right? There's many different titles that uh, that uh, that he's called throughout Scripture. Um, but yes, so they went out from us, but they were not of us. Matter of fact, let's just can we just read this slowly? They went out from us, so that means these people were with us, but they went away. But they were not of us, so even though they left us, they were never really with us. For if they had been of us, so of us, not with us, if they had actually been of us, right? So to be of something is to be an actual part of it, to share in the same characteristics or the same identity, right? He doesn't just say if they had really been with us. No, if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out 
that it might become plain that they all are not of us. What does he mean by that? It might become plain because God removes them. God removes them and it becomes plain that they are not of us. And we see uh, Paul talk about um, something like this in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 12 or 11, when he says that some divisions are necessary because it shows the genuine right? God wants there to be some division. He doesn't want us to be in unity with the, with, for example, I, I truly believe God does not want us to be in unity with someone who has a heresy like Nestorianism, right? I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. You might not like that. Oh, well, or Mormonism or, or modalism. Why? Because they are rejecting some serious truths. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately that's, 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 that's it. And we see, we see it. It's a subtle. So it looks like Jesus sounds like Jesus, uh, you know, it, it, it looks good. It looks good on paper, but it's not authentic. And this is why I say to people, you, if, if I if I say to if I, if I holler at Mark and I say, yo, bro, I bought you a new Nike jacket and, and, and it gets to his house and he's like, yo, thanks, bro. But the tick's upside down and this says Michael. Uh, not, you know, it, it doesn't say Nike. It says Mike. So he's going to be like, like, this is that. not. Yeah, he would like that. But ultimately, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not Nike. And, yeah, and, and this, is, this is what happens with, you know, this is what happens with the modalistic view. Those who deny the triune God of scripture ultimately run into all sorts of errors. And guess what? It does open up doors for contradictions within the text. We and, who say that God's, we, we who say that God's word is inerrant and infallible. There are no contradictions in the Bible. We can back this up because we follow the scripture completely. And we see the triune nature of God throughout the text. Those who have, adapted the modalistic viewpoint when atheists or Muslims come to them with certain questions in the Bible, they stumped because they've already, they've already denied the father. They've denied the Holy spirit. And, and by doing that, they don't have the right Jesus. That's the bottom line. So then he says, but you have been anointed by the Holy one. The anointing is the Holy spirit and you all have knowledge I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Now I want to point something out here. Someone that denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is talking about what we know the Christ is, right? Someone can call Jesus the Messiah and still be denying that Jesus is the Christ. How do we know this? Because they can have their own version of the Messiah. They can have their own version of who Jesus is. We have to understand that when it says that this person denies that whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, we're talking about the biblical Christ, the Christ that we expected to come when you read the Old Testament, the Christ who came. And notice how he says the one is a liar is who denies the Christ. What is the, uh, the profession of Jesus being the Christ? Can anybody remember how what happens when Peter makes the profession that Jesus is the Christ? Anybody? I don't know why I expect y'all to answer that because the, the, there's a delay, but I'm sure that my biblical friends here are going to say, well, that was the rock in which Jesus said that church will be built upon. That's because that, what, that statement that Peter made, that confession that Peter made was the rock that the church is built on, that Jesus is the Christ. Matter of fact, let's read it real quick. What exactly does P Peter's exact words in Matthew 16? Oh, let me close the Greek real quick. He says, 
Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Who do the people say? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, responding for the group here, steps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You didn't, oops, you didn't figure this out on your own, right? We don't come yeah. to this knowledge on our own. You didn't, you're not smarter than the average bear, right? You did not get this on your own. My father who is in heaven revealed this to you. And this is the rock. He said, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know Catholics want to say that the rock is Peter. That's not at all what's being said. He's saying you're Peter. And on this rock, the, the confession that Peter just made, and Augustine has a great quote that, uh, that I actually was going to be posting a video on about tomorrow, probably, uh, where Augustine talks about that. But that's the rock that the church is built on, that Jesus is yeah. the Christ. The true Christ, right? But look, whoever who is a liar, but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, this is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Notice how Man. there's a John connects the two. You can't deny Man. one and keep the other. This is yeah. why Jews and Muslims don't like what I say when I say this, but they're not serving the God of Abraham. They can say they are, but it says it in scripture clearly: honor the son as you honor the father. If you deny the son, you deny the father. If you hate the son, you hate the father. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. No one who denies the son has the father. Say it again. Say it all with me. We'll say it together. No one who denies the son has the father. Period. Whoever confesses Amen. the son has the father also. Amen. I mean, we went over this as well. On no other foundation can anyone build other than the foundation that has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. So again, just confirming what Paul has said, what Peter has said. And 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 yeah, we see it again, clearly. You cannot have Jesus by denying the Father. You cannot have the Father by denying Jesus. There Ooh. is only one. <laughs> that kind of destroys modalism too. Like, yeah, like, well, we don't deny either. No, no, no. You are denying their identities by saying that they're the same because that wouldn't make sense in a modalistic reading. Whoever denies Jesus, you know, whoever, no one who denies Jesus has Jesus. Whoever confesses Jesus has Jesus also. Right. Like, no, that's not no. how that works. Let what works. you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. Again, modalism gets thrown out the window. How do you abide in the son and in the father unless they're separate? Because that would be redundant. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you abide in him. I want to stop for a second and point something out because people are like, what does this mean? Jesus also said no longer will you have a rabbi you know, uh, or anything like that. So Jesus also says the same thing. 
This isn't saying that you can't learn with your brothers and sisters. What it's saying is that the Holy Spirit is who reveals truth to you. No matter how much I try and teach you, if the Holy Spirit is not involved, you won't learn it. What did Jesus say to Peter? Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, right? It yeah. was his father in heaven. So we can do these things where we're teaching, but no matter what, unless the Holy Spirit is in play, you're not going to learn a thing because it's not really us who's teaching it. Your brothers and sisters aren't the ones who know something you don't know. They're guiding you to get what the Holy Spirit's trying to give you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Amen. But you can teach nothing on your own. You can learn nothing on your own. It is all by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit that you learn anything. Anything. Yeah. And this is a humble and a contrite heart. That's that's what it comes back down to. And just, uh, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Here goes again. He's saying that when that practice is happening, what's the, what's the thing about practicing? Let's talk about the word practice because it's going to come up into play a lot over the next chapter. Yeah. What did I tell y'all earlier? I said that it's not about achieving it. It's about aiming to get there. Well, that's what practice is, right? I might not be able to lift 500 pounds, but if I practice every day, I'm constantly trying to lift. I'm trying to get there. I practice. I choose. I make a choice to do these things. I'm aiming yeah. to do something. So when you mm. practice righteousness, it is evidence of the Holy Spirit in you. That doesn't mean you're righteous. This isn't saying that those who are righteous are safe. You're good if you're righteous. No, it's saying that you practice righteousness. Let me give you an example of practicing righteousness. Every time JD takes a moment to show love to people and share the word of God and just be a kind-hearted person to someone, he's practicing righteousness. Every time you reject the flesh and say, Lord, I want to be closer to you, even if you're stumbling your whole way there, you're saying, Lord, I just want to be closer to you. Lord, guide me. Lord, be with me. You're practicing righteousness. It doesn't say you have to be good at the practice. It doesn't say you have to uh, be the best practicer. But practicing right righteousness is the choice yeah. and the active decision to do so. Keep that definition in mind because he's going to start talking about practicing sin here in a little bit. Yeah. I mean, this is where it gets real. I mean, and before oh, yeah, we get into get real, and this is before we I mean, before we really dive into chapter three, I mean, and uh, it, it's just what do we see? Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And and again, like just to expand on what Mike already said. We, you don't just, you know, Michael Jordan just didn't just walk into the NBA. He didn't just become the, the goat of the NBA just because his name was Michael Jordan. Now, if you go look at his life story, you go look at his, his father's commitment to his, his, his basketball career, the way his father was with him and trained him and, 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 you know, watched his diet and motivated him and pushed him. This is what we've got. And, and, and I use this as an analogy because we've got this. By God's word, we've got Christ. We've got the apostles pushing us and saying, this is the word of God. This is the way you should walk. This is the way you should talk. That's how you handle your adversary. This is how you confront those that are mocking and scoffing. This is how we deal with those that come and bear false witness. Because 
we we have this thing this inclination this inclination in the flesh to justify ourselves when especially when someone bears false witness we we want to justify ourselves we want to hop up immediately make a video saying that's not who i am i'm going to justify myself where the scripture tells us to not justify ourselves because we are not justified by men we are justified by God. We are not, no one on TikTok is going to get me into heaven. No one on YouTube is going to get me into heaven. Only Jesus Christ and the finished work Amen. of the cross gets me into heaven. So when people come bearing false witness, even against, you know, like, like I, I watch how it happens with my brother here. And I'm like, and, uh, you know, and it will, I'll say this openly. There, there are times I see videos and I'm, I'm already messaging him. I'm like, don't reply. Keep it quiet. Keep it locked down. Well, JD like, was one of the main reasons why I've been able to keep my mouth shut for a while because I'm – look, none of us are perfect. I deal with my flesh too, believe me. Like there's there's been times where other people who aren't being the greatest brothers in Christ, they're encouraging me to do things I shouldn't do. And uh, JD is the one I turn to, and I trust him 100%. And I actually won't make a move until JD gives me some type of – uh, uh, comforting or say, you know what, you know, if you go about it this way, if you do it this way, and I lean on him for that because that's my brother in Christ. And I trust him Amen. to, to help me make a decision outside of my own flesh. Like, Hey, I don't yeah. want to do this wrong. I don't want to, you know, go about things wrong. What do you think about it? How do you think I should go about things? What should I yeah. say? And, and it's like, all right, be loving, be honest, be sincere because we can't let our flesh win. And our flesh wants to win. You yeah. will battle with your flesh every Amen. day. And again, Amen. this goes back to the first two, the first three chapters. Again, if you if you're tuning in because of fear and doubt, and you want confidence in salvation, it's not about how often you sin or fail. How do you respond to that? Are you yeah. in light that slips up on darkness, or 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 are you on in darkness that slips up on light? Because you yeah. could be in darkness and you slip up on light sometimes. Oh, I had a good mm -hmm. moment. I read a little scripture, but you exist in darkness. Yeah. But as Christians, we should be existing in the light and the darkness always comes from the outside and it's trying to push in. And luckily, light always overcomes John chapter one and the light overcomes the darkness. The darkness has Amen. no power over the light. Um, so Amen. focus on that. Um, so if you pay attention to is there light, do you recognize the light in you? Do you recognize the love of God in you? This is what John's telling you about. Pay attention. It's all going to come together by the end of this and we're going to get through it. We're going to push through it. I'm going to try my best. But um. We're definitely going to push through this. Even when JD has to go, if we're near the end, I might wrap it up. But uh, let's roll into chapter three because we are running low on time. Um, and I don't want my brother to miss out on this. So chapter three starts off. See what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I want you to understand what John's really saying here. Do you see what kind of love that is? That as an enemy, because again, John is, uh, we repeat this several times, John has been around this entire time. This is in the end, of, the end of his life. He is probably well acquainted with the writings of Paul and the writings of everything else because this is at the end. Everything's been written by now. So John is talking about things that we, that you and I can understand. He's saying, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. You know what kind of love that is? Do, do, you, do you know what kind of love that is? We were enemies of God. We were in rebellion of God, but he loved us first. What kind of love is it that we as, as children of Satan, because that's what we, what we were, for him to offer his hand and give us the spirit of adoption to whom we cry, Abba, Father. And it says the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 
And this is why you know you get frustrated, and no matter what you say, the atheists just they don't understand you. It's like you're speaking a different language with them because they don't know him, so they don't know you. If the Lord is shining through you, then they're not going to recognize you just like they don't recognize him. And here's what I try and tell people also, the Christians out there that want to be liked by the world, like you really want to be liked to where you try and bend on stuff. If the reason why they hate you is Jesus, then that means there's nothing about you that you can change to make them like you unless you abandon Jesus. Like you can't make yourself nicer. You can't make yourself more popular. You can't change how you dress. You can't change the music you listen to. The reason they hate you is because of Jesus, period. So unless you abandon that, you're not going to change the way that the world accepts you. And that's why, and and that just because it says the world doesn't accept you, the world hates you means everybody in the world is going to treat you the same way. No, people can be very, uh, uh, they can be in rejection of who is in you. Matter of fact, I've got atheist friends that love me to death, but the minute I start talking about Jesus, everything about them changes. They don't want to hear that. They don't like that. And they'll, they'll even admit like, I don't like that part about you. And well, that, well, that's never going away. That's who I'm always going to be. Right. And, but that part, no matter how much they still show me love in every other way, they can't stand that part because that's why the reason that's the reason why the world does not know us, because they do not know him. Uh, JD hopped off. I wonder if let me real quickly open up my discord just in case um, he might just be getting something to drink or, or going to the bathroom. But let me just make sure my DMs are open so I can see if he uh, got cut off or anything like that. Do, do, do. Do, 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 For the TikTok people, since I can't see your comments, if you're enjoying this live study, do me a favor and hit some hearts and let me see that you guys are with us. I'm just appreciate that if we see that over there. Um, all right, let's keep going. Verse two, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared what we will be. You see, right now we're in Christ, but we are not at the finish line. Uh, in case you're not aware about this, you might be a very young Christian and not know this, but there's more to come. You will be glorified as he was glorified, right? So that has not come yet. So he's saying we are God's children now. So you are a child already, but what we will be has not yet appeared. Also something to note here, you can see, once you realize what the scriptures are saying, you see eternal security everywhere. You're God's children now. When people try to say, oh, well, we're in the act of being saved, but we're not saved until we make it to the end. Oh, well, you can lose your salvation because it's not really, you're not really locked in until the end. We hope to be saved. No, no, no. He says that we are God's children now, and God will not abandon his children. He will not throw away his children. Whenever someone says, whenever an atheist says, what kind of loving father sends his children to hell? I don't know because God sends none of his children to hell. Not a single child of God will go to hell. And it's all about to get explained right here. It says, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. He's saying, if you trust in him, if you hope in him, then you're purifying yourself. What did we just read in 2 Timothy? What did we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 2? It said that if you want to be in a vessel for honorable use, what will you do? Cleanse yourself, right? Purify yourself. That's what we do. We, we want to be like him. So those that have a hope in him will be trying to. So when I meet someone who's like, well, no, we don't got to do anything. And I just want to, you know, chill out and just be a Christian. It's like, 
For real? You don't want to you don't want to pursue him? That's interesting. Hey, to each his own, right? <laughs> and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now let's focus on that word practice. Remember I told you guys to keep that in your head? In the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, he says that when you sin, you have an advocate in heaven. So clearly, Christians sin. So Paul's, I mean, John's not about to say that if you sin, you're not saved. People like to mess up what John's about to say and not realize that would be a contradiction of what he just said the chapter prior. That's not what he's about to say. The key word here, practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You and I sin. But as Christians, we should not be making a practice of our sins. Meaning, again, practicing righteousness means I'm aiming for righteousness, but I'm not perfect at it. I make my mistakes. I slip up in darkness. Practicing sin are those people that have an unrepentant heart that live in sin with no care. They don't care about the fact that they should be, oh, I don't got to be whole. You know, I do whatever I want. I'm full of anger, full of hate, full of lust, in clear rejection of God. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice, practices lawlessness, since sin is, is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. As we know, his death on the cross conquered sin, so he took sin away. Yeah. Therefore, we don't have sin anymore, right? We, we don't have it on us. We do commit things that are sin, but we don't get it counted against us. We have an advocate in heaven, Christ Jesus. Um, we have the, you know, he's a constant intercessor for us, our mediator. Yeah, amen. The Lord counts no sin, Romans 4. So sin has been dealt with. Do we do the things that are considered sin? Yes, but we are not sinners anymore. So that is true, that we are not considered sinners. We conduct these things, but the sins aren't counted against us. We have an advocate. I want you to understand mm -hmm. that. I'm not saying that you're sinless. I'm saying that the Lord's not counting your sins. No Amen. one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, again, the focus is on that practice term. He makes it clear that he's talking about people who practice sinning. And he's saying that if you abide in him, you don't keep on with this. Also, you don't keep on with this because you have conquered sin. There is no sin for you. Yeah. First John chapter two, like we keep going back. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. So the person who is, per, is pursuing Christ, he's righteous. Why? Not because his actions are righteous, but because Christ's righteousness is imputed in him. Let's go to Romans 4 real quick. Welcome back, JD, by the way. I was worried we lost you. <laughs> I had to do the walk right run as well. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So righteousness normally is something you do by being a good worker. But when we read this scripture and it says that the one who practices righteousness is righteous, it's not saying that you're actually righteous because you're hard work. It's saying exactly what Paul is saying in Romans 4, that through your faith, you are practicing righteousness by putting your trust and faith in him. And therefore, you are righteous because he accounts righteousness apart from works. Let's keep going down. Which means that the practice of righteousness is the, is the following those commandments that we're going to get to at the end of this chapter. You'll, you'll see what they are. 
Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, this is the part that upsets me. When people reject the word of God and act like, oh, well, you know, a born again believer, he can fall away because he can turn from God and, and become a person who dives into sin and practices sin and lives in sin and murders and grapes and this, this, and that, like a full on 180. But the word of God says, no one who's God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning. Hey, JD. No. Do you think the Holy Spirit understands grammar and how absolutes work? Yeah, man. I mean, okay. it, 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 it's it's absolutely it's absolutely mind blowing when when exactly like you say this 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 really truly upsets me because when people say and they get very angry they get angry at Mark they get angry at me um, uh, uh, when we say you were never saved and they're like well yes I was and they're like no you weren't because. God isn't a liar. His word doesn't have errors. He speaks only truth. If God says you were never saved, you were never saved. There's no such thing as I used to be Christian. And 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 again, you know, just looking at the comments, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful because when we go through Romans 7 and 8, we see this explicitly by Paul um, where he says that what I, we are not talking about, we're talking about those that make practice of wickedness that plot evil and 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 paul goes into this in galatians chapter 5 where those who sit and devise up plans and 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 make wicked videos about other christians just because this this gets their kicks this is this is this is evil it's demonic no christian sits and thinks about how he can break his brother in christ down it's it's not of god and this we see this we see this is not of God. Again, I'm not, and this is this is this is where I want to I want to just in a hat. I was like uh, when I was I just went to the bathroom. I was like I have to mention this, and I want to caution each and every single one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not get caught up into the game where you start judging people's salvation. And um, God knows the heart of every single man. So God is the one. He is the Amen. author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the one who started the good work. He will bring it to completion. We cannot start pointing fingers on people at TikTok saying so-and-so isn't saved or is saved. That is not our place. We are not judge, jury, and executioner. We are not God. We have got instructions on how we ought to, ought to talk, how we ought to walk, and how we ought to love one another. And by that standard, Mike keeps me. I keep Mike. Uh, Brian, Kenny, Cam, all my brothers in Christ who, who have gotten to know me over time understand that I do not make videos. I do not have debates because ultimately, am I justifying myself or am I justifying God? And 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 this is it. Ultimately, those who have been removed from from my life, who have who, who no longer fellowship with me, I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for that. Because ultimately Amen. their fruits are evident for everyone to see. They are not out to, to win souls. They are not out to see people grow in Jesus. They are out to sow discord, 
bear false witness and and ultimately it's a, it's a spirit of the antichrist it's it's hate it's malicious it's evil and um from such we are told to turn away we are told Amen. to turn away and deliver them over to satan so that the so that the soul may be saved and and Amen. that's ultimately what we do Amen. So I wanted to point something out here. Also, whenever I point this verse out, you get people that say, oh, so you're saying once a Christian becomes a believer, uh, they don't have any free will anymore. This is the argument you'll hear, like, because they think if you say that a true believer is not going to turn uh, away from God, then therefore they must have lost their free will. And again, what did JD just say? Like, let all men be liars, let God be true. Let me just tell you about the new covenant that was prophesied of back in Ezekiel. And I will give you a new, a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you. Sounds about right with the new covenant so far. What does Paul talk about? We get a heart of flesh, uh, the circumcision of the heart. We get the Holy Spirit. Okay. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Okay. Okay. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now pay Man. attention what this is actually saying. When it says cause you to walk in my statutes, the spirit in us walks in his statutes even when we don't. When we are faithless, he is faithful for he cannot deny himself. Romans 8 says what? That the spirit of the uh, that the law of the spirit did what the law of the of sin and death could not do uh, by fulfilling righteousness in us. Let me just read it so I don't I don't jack it up too much. Like, listen really qu quickly to what, again, this is also why I tell people all the time, a lot of things that I teach, I can't just go off one verse. I'm bounced around the Bible. I let the Bible teach for itself. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit in you, as it says in Ezekiel, it causes you to walk in his ways and keep his statutes and be careful to keep his statutes. It drives you, it pulls you. And even when you come up short, the spirit itself makes intercession on your behalf. Romans 9. Is that Romans 9? Somewhere around there. Uh, uh, the Spirit makes a groaning for you. The Spirit is always there for you to bear witness on your behalf. Uh, your Spirit is what keeps you in line. So when it says no one who has the seed of God in him cannot, ca cannot uh, keep on sinning, he's being legit. Like God's not saying a maybe. It's not an if. If you have the seed of God in you, you are in God. And then it says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil, meaning that you can see this with your eyes. By this, this is evident. This is nothing new either. Jesus tells you you'll know them by their fruits, right? It says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, here's where it gets into something deep for you to actually, because you might be like, all right, Mike, so how do I check myself with this? He's about to tell you right here. This is what I was saying I, I was looking forward to getting to. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So that's the, you've heard him say over and over again, the message from the beginning, the message from the beginning that you have heard from the beginning. He doesn't tell you what that is, but here he goes. He's about to tell you it right now. That message from the beginning has always been love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his 
own deeds were evil Amen. and his brothers righteous. So we saw Amen. jealousy. Cain didn't do, I mean, uh, uh, Abel didn't do anything to Cain. Abel just did what the Lord asked him to do. Cain was jealous that Abel's offering was, re was received by God and, and God was happy about it. So Cain gets jealous and angry and hates his brother. That, that's, that comes from his own deeds, his own evilness. And it says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. You heard what he said? You know that you're saved. Go ahead and just replace that. What does passed out of death into life mean? That means you're saved. You have eternal yeah, life amen. in Christ. It says, we know that we have passed out of life into death because we love the brothers. So remember I said, keep your notepad of things to write down of John telling you. Do you love your brothers? And it's easy to love the people that love you. Do you love yeah. the people that hate you? Do you love the people that are frustrating? Do you love the people that get on your nerves? It doesn't mean you have to like them. Look, there's lots of people I don't like. Y'all know one specific person I extremely don't like. But I love them. I love them. But I don't like them. Do you love your brothers? By this we know that we have passed into death, uh, out of death and into life. Whoever does not love abides in death. Abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Jesus told us that. Hate in your heart, murder. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the oh, here's the part. All right, we got here, JD. <laughs> but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little and children. Question. But that's, that's what I love about it. This is a question. Look at that. He poses the question. You see, he's giving it to you, the believer, to think about what, you, what you're saying. He's giving it to you. He's posing the question to you. If you see someone next to you dying and you claim you love God, they're dying of whatever need it might be. Maybe it's they need spiritual help. Maybe they need prayer. Maybe they just need someone to sit down and talk to. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they need clothing. Whatever it is. And you have it. If you've got it and you see your neighbor without it, do you have the love of God abiding in you if you are clinging to what you have? This is a, this is, this is a powerful question. And, 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 if and, you and repeat that question by itself on TikTok, I guarantee you, you get a bunch of comments of a workspace gospel. I guarantee you, you have people that will respond to you saying, oh, are you saying if I don't do that, I'm not saved? Oh, so I have to do something to be saved? Because people are so worried about this idea of workspace, this, this, and that. John's just asking you a question. Hey, brother, you said the love of God abides in you. How so? Like really, how? What does what it say yeah. in chapter one? Chapter one, he says what? Um, that uh, uh, that if you say you know God but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Like, and the truth is not in you. Like, yeah. John's not saying that you're unsaved. He's saying you're a liar. Again, you're yeah. yeah, and that's that's but, the emphasis. None of this epistle is saying that the person is no longer saved. None of it is insinuating that they've lost their salvation or their place. But it is it is questioning. You never were. Word. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and yeah, we are. And to the believer, like again, we see the double-edged sword. To the believer, it's questioning your walk. Are you, are you testing yourself every day? Are you walking according to the spirit which is already dwelling within you? Or are you still subject to the evil and the darkness of the world? 
Because now, nobody wanna, there is. I do want to emphasize. Does this mean that when you're driving to work, when you pass 37 homeless people, you have to stop for every single one because you obviously could give to every single one? I'm not sitting here saying if you don't stop for all 37 homeless people, you're not saved. This is when you take things so extreme and, and, and that's what people will try and flip it on. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, though, if you were walking down the street and a brother was in need and or let's just say a brother comes to you. Let's put it that way. Your, your friend calls you. And even though you could spare a hundred dollars, they need money for groceries and you could spare it. You got it. You're like, mm, I kind of want to keep this. I was going to get that new game this month. Like the love of the world. Remember we talked to it all comes full circle. Doesn't it? I love when the word of God comes full circle, that love of the world, right? Ah, oh, man, this yeah. money, I was going to use it for my, if you love God more than the world, then who cares about that extra thing I wanted to buy? Who cares if I have to struggle a little bit and maybe I don't, maybe I can't eat so good this month. Guess what? God would rather you both eat crappy than you eat good and he don't eat, right? Like there's different things that people fail to realize. And I love the next part because it goes in hand, hand in hand with it. Listen to it. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. A lot of people in today's Christian community want you to take them at their word and talk and don't question their deed and truth. That's contrary to everything the Bible says. Everything Paul says, everything John says, everything Jesus says, James says it. Don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. But if you say that, they get a little workspace gospel, workspace liar, workspace adding to the gospel. No, we're saying that you want people to trust you at your mouth, at your tongue, but yet don't want people to notice that you don't walk the way you say you, you believe. Mm. And then what yeah. does it say next? By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. John's telling you, this is for you. This isn't, this isn't for you to condemn others. This is you to say, you know what? I come home and I go, man, I really didn't, man, I that person needed me. And I said, no, I was in a rush and I was just worried about myself. What am I doing? Lord, I'm sorry, right? Double-edged sword, right? For me, I'm convicted. For that other person, they don't even care that they did that. Right. So the person that didn't care, there's no love of God in them for the person who's convicted. That's the love of God in them. That's 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 convicting them because you are going to fail at this, too. But you're going to have conviction in your heart. You're going to have conviction I mean, in your heart. This is why you got to go to the next verse. And I again, mean, it, yeah. just, it just it just solidifies what we what we're saying. He says, but if our hearts, if our hearts condemn us. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. So there we see. Sometimes we do find ourselves in a place of, of, of self-condemnation. And we go back to Romans 8 verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. God knows the heart. So And God knows everything. So again, it, it and just... Also, that means God knows your heart. So even if you think you can outsmart God, like, no, I do believe, I do believe. Let me be very honest with you. God knows. I remember I learned this when I was real young. I, I was real young and I asked, so can someone ask for God to forgive them on the deathbed and they're fine? Oh man, everybody should just wait till then. Like, you know what? I'm going to live in my sin now. And at the end, I'll just ask for forgiveness. I, I had those thoughts as a kid. Like, why not just do that? Why not just, because, you know, I had the idea like, all you got to do is say sorry and you're good. But then as someone who was wise said to me, God knows your heart. He knows what your intention is. Just because you, if you're sitting here saying, I'm going to wait till then. And then right before I die, I'm going to be like, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And he's, no, he's not stupid. God's not dumb. God knows your heart. So this is why I ask people, if you're a believer, listen to me here and know that this is from a place of love. 
you can say anything you want to everybody else. You can come off as the greatest Christian to everybody. We don't know your heart. God knows your heart. When you yeah. read this, it says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Are you willing to just bank your salvation on the fact that I'll never question my own salvation? Because most of the time people don't want to question their own salvation. It's because they're scared of what they might uncover. And they don't want to, mm -hmm. they don't want to find out that they're not doing something that they should be doing or whatever it may be like that. I'm not walking the way I should be walking because we would rather sit in this bubble of I'm saved and I can live however I want. Because I'm saved by faith alone. Yes, you are saved by faith alone. But if that faith ain't real, then there's not going to be a change. You should want to see if that changes in your heart. Yeah. You should want to see it. Um, Amen. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. We're just going to finish this chapter. We'll do the other two chapters later because JD's running out of time. But this is also where I wanted to go to. Remember I said, remember the commandment line? And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. You might be like, well, Mike, what are those? Don't worry. John's got you. And next time someone tries to quote John or Revelation to tell you to keep Levitical laws or Mosaic laws, whatever, take them right here. And this is his commandment yes. that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that we abide in him by the spirit whom he has been us. So what are those commandments? Love and believe. Love Man. and believe. You believe that he is the one true God. You believe he is the Christ, right? What does it say earlier? Anybody who denies that he's the Christ uh, is antichrist, right? People love to go to 1 John 2 and say, look, you got to keep his commandments. Look at Revelation 20. Pause, playa. John wrote both of them. And John defines what he means Amen. by his commandments. You can stop at verse 22 all day long and try and lie to someone. See, we have to keep his commandments. But verse 23 sums it up. And this yeah. is his commandment. And he names the first one and then he adds the second one. And love one another. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Guys, we're going to do Amen. the other two chapters on Monday because the, uh, the next two are strong when it comes to why you shouldn't have fear. I wish we had more time tonight, but I want JD present for it. And I'm looking at the clock and we're running out of time. So I'm not going to yeah, go on yeah. without him. We're going to save the final two chapters. I beg you guys, go back, read what we already read, and then also go read the rest of it. And then when we when we get back together on Monday, we can dive in it together. Um, I'm going to let JD wrap up whatever he's got to wrap up because I know he's got to get out of here soon. Yeah, and I just want to encourage everybody, you know, as we as we close with this, um, you know, thank you, Jesus, for giving us another opportunity to be on this podcast. Thank you, Lord, for each and every single person that's in the chat, even those that are in the in the in the chat, just to come and take snippets and 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 tear things up. We we thank we thank you, God, for each and every single one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, even those that hate us, even those that mock and scoff us. We thank you, Lord, that you bless them and that you keep them, and um, that our hearts do not get bitter towards these. Who, who have come to try and nitpick and, and tear apart every single thing we say. Here's one thing I will say for me, and I speak for Mark as well. Guys, we are fallible humans. We will sometimes say things that are in error. We have never proclaimed to know the Bible than the, better than the next person. We have never claimed that we've got it down pat. 
ultimately, we do this to edify one another. We do this to edify you. We we do this to edify and grow the kingdom of God, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ, to the knowledge we have learned from God and through our studies and our years in the Bible to impart what we have learned on you. This is ultimately what we're doing. Not for vainglory, not so that we can get a pat in the back, not so that we can say, oh, JD and Mark are cool. Um, We know we're cool. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> but, 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 you know, the, the reality is, is uh, go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Everything we've just seen John say, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and listen, read the first seven verses. What does Paul say there? Without love, doesn't matter what we preach, doesn't matter what mountains we move, doesn't matter who gets healed, doesn't matter the demons that are cast out, doesn't matter the restoration that takes place. Without love, everything we do for the kingdom of God is in vain. Everything. Everything is in vain. And and, and this is something we have to have to go back to again. This is the commandment. Love your brothers in Christ. Love them. And, and loving, loving them is correcting them. Loving them is rebuking them. Loving them is exhortation. And, and those who are truly above correction, they show it. They show it. They, their fruits show it. Their actions show it. Their speech shows it. The, the way they, they handle other Christians shows it. And, and, and what, you know, someone once said to me, you know, you don't, you don't judge. We don't judge a Christian by how they treat those who agree with them. We judge them by how they treat those who disagree with them and 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 their enemies and and i made a video about this last year sometime i said the greatest test with a christian is not loving jesus christ loving jesus christ comes easily to the christian but the greatest test is loving judas and 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 showing love to that one that you know is the betrayer the deceiver the one that you know is going out of his way to to sow discord that that's where we get challenged that's where we get tested so again guys just just check yourselves inwardly like constantly check yourselves. Where could I be walking better? Where could I be talking better? Because ultimately the the reality is, is God knows the heart of every single man. We don't know who's going up, who's going down. Um, all we can do is have faith in Christ Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And that those who profess the name of Jesus Christ have truly believed on the only begotten son of God. And that he became the propitiation for sin, that he is the gospel everything about jesus surrounding jesus within jesus the entire bible is about jesus christ and his salvation to the sinner charles spurgeon also once said and i'll close with this i don't know that i am saved by how i preach or what i do or don't do jesus christ came for sinners i am a sinner and i am faith and i have faith that he died for me that is it that is it and and ultimately that is the gospel we preach and we will continue to preach so god bless you all and and thanks again like and subscribe share this with someone that that hasn't read the gospel of john that hasn't gone through first john and uh looking forward to monday night when we when we close this off because chapters four and five are so imperative to the close of 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 this first epistle of john Amen. I have nothing to say on top of that. JD just just did an incredible way to end it. So with all that being said, make sure you guys hit like, subscribe, share. Uh, it really helps us out. Check out the links in the link tree or beacons. And then um, if you guys want to talk for a little bit, I will ha- be hanging out on TikTok for a short bit after this podcast, but then I'll be taking it down. 
And we love you guys on behalf of everyone at the True Christian Ministry because our family is growing and there's a bunch of us now, a lot of people behind the scenes. We all love you. And shout out to all the people behind the scenes that keep this ministry pumping on the Discord. Shout out to Cat, all the mods. Uh, I could name you all, but I would be here for a long time doing it. So let me just go ahead and just say all of you, um, mentors, people, working in the background, Chris, Monica, Brenda, Joy. I can't do it. I can't name you all, but no, I love you all. I appreciate you all. God bless and go in peace. Okay.